0: All right, I I can confirm Jackie Chan, not a Nepo baby. Wow! In fact, he was abandoned by his birth parents as a child. But through his research for the 2003 documentary, Traces of the Dragon, he found out that his mother was a legendary Shanghai gambler and his dad was a gang boss and nationalist spy. That makes complete sense. (laughs) So his life is a movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who raised him though? He was like abandoned, and then picked up by like some rich. like, Oh yeah, they left. <laughs> right, they left that part out. They really right. made a. Uh, it's made the an Moses interesting story. Narrative. Someone it's, who yeah. likes right. put him in the basket, in the basket throw him yeah, down yeah, the yeah. river, and then the prince of Egypt. Baby yeah. Jack, maybe he was like raised by like tigers. <laughs> 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 raised
0: by tigers uh, in a toy store. <laughs> interesting. Uh, he was abandoned. Additional interesting. fact: He also discovered that his parents met when his dad arrested his mom for smuggling drugs. I thought his dad was a gang boss. <laughs> you know, I'm just reading this off BuzzFeed so. boss with
2: powers of arrest Let's fucking go We're getting deep here <laughs> When you have mommy and daddy issues <laughs> Oh no You
0: yeah. could write yeah, a, a fictionalized Chang's gonna
1: come after us Yeah, so? I don't mean I'm
2: not with these folks <laughs> I, lo- I still love you Jackie He's not at the top of his game anymore I mean I couldn't take him one on one but the four of us I, we, could t- we could hold it down He would literally kill all four of <laughs> yeah, us <laughs> I do
0: not think that's true so I don't fast. think even with eight of us we could stop <laughs> Have him Have you seen his yeah. movie? He's fighting like 40 people by <laughs> <Yeah>. himself <laughs> You yeah, think us like soft bodied musicians <laughs> are gonna stop him? <laughs> I <laughs> can only try. How many <laughs> fights have you have y'all been in? None, <laughs> literally what? like none. none. Dude, none can, yeah. yeah, not a fighter.
1: Who want to fight? Who would want to fight you? Right. My mom made me do it. Made you fight? Made oh, you told me about this. Oh yeah. my god.
2: This kid was picking on me, and my mom was like, "Well, the best solution is to just fight him, and just to like punch him right in the face in front of everyone." Did you? You did that? Yeah. And did you? Did he stop? So it was like after a basketball practice. I was in like. Third or fourth grade. Yeah. It was after, no, like f- fifth grade. Oh, it was like after a basketball practice. But I think my mom wasn't, she knew I might get my ass kicked because like this guy was way stronger than me. He was like a jock. You <laughs> she know? knew what he looked like? Yeah, yeah. She knew who it was. It was her whole, it was her <laughs> he was plan. I was like there forced there. into it. Yeah. So it was like after basketball practice and he was picking on me and I like confronted him and I went and like, you know, I, I don't know, give him like a slap punch to the face that like didn't faze him that much. Classic. But then my mom like busted through the door and like all these like kids from the, you know, the practice and stuff were around and everything. So it was a whole scene. And my mom came in and just like, like psychologically tricked everyone. By being like she came in like that's what you get and all this stuff and she <laughs> made everyone think like I got this dope hit on him because he wasn't coming back after me because my uh. mom came in the room so yeah she like she like uh what's it called like reverse psychology to everyone into thinking I got this I like stood up for myself so and got smart. this like hard Hell, yeah. stick in there and then and really weird and then, <laughs> <yeah. is> So <laughs> strange but he stopped <laughs> picking at me hey it's like Lydia
1: that's tar. something a true it was very true working class mother would do yeah so. yeah. yeah but now
0: she also bloated your uh, your ego and now you think you can fight Jackie Chan <laughs> Yeah
3: <laughs> She's not here to help you now sure, no. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Industry Bullshit Podcast. We are your hosts, Glenn Curran. I'm Namdi Sen Morimoto. And I'm Steve. Industry Bullshit is a podcast where four people in the music industry get together to bullshit about arts and culture, its business, and the manifold political and social issues related thereto. And sometimes to bullshit about the hellscape that is the industry itself. Some quick introductions. I'm Glenn Curran, an entertainment lawyer, artist manager, and co-owner of Chicago indie label Super Records.
1: I am Namdi. I am a musician from Chicago and also co owner of
0: Super Records.
3: I'm Sen, and I'm also a musician and a producer in Chicago,
2: and I run Super with these guys too
0: and i'm steve and i'm a bassist and engineer and i run the studio called cybernetic meadow
2: well yeah let's i don't know kick off the episode with a discussion i think an issue maybe that's near and dear to our hearts class in the music biz and the arts and entertainment biz increasingly present in the online discourse and media sphere sort of echo chambers of arts and entertainment are all these economic issues um in the arts industries you know we There's all these conversations about Nepo babies and industry plants, the increasing economic woes of life as a musician vis-a-vis burnout, touring, mental health, etc. Venue merch cuts, streaming wars, the Department of Homeland Security's recently proposed 250% price increase for the cost of a performance visa for foreign artists traveling to the USA, Um, unionization efforts across culture and media sector. The ongoing work and increasing visibility of organizations like the UMAW, the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers, who first organized to take actions around COVID practices in the music business and have since uh, sort of widened and expanded their organizing efforts to include... demanding all sorts of other issues like fairer deals from streaming services, etc. And other issues in the discourse as well, like the monopolistic hold of Ticketmaster and Live Nation in the live concert arena, uh, an issue which recently prompted the Senate Judiciary Committee of the United States Congress to hold a hearing exploring antitrust issues related to Live Nation and Ticketmaster, a hearing which led the Democratic senator from Connecticut, Richard Blumenthal, to make a play on Taylor Swift lyrics saying, quote, Ticketmaster should look in the mirror and say, I'm the problem, it's me. Which is just. That's a Taylor know. Swift song? I don't actually know. I'm a problem,
1: it's me. Yeah.
2: That's, oh, okay. I thought like I she wrote on. a song about Ticketmaster. That would be sick. <laughs> like, it's just like Ticketmaster's been dominating the market since like 1991 or something. Yeah. And it's like we're in 2023 and like now it's a big issue because Taylor Swift comes
0: out, which is yeah. great, you know, but it's like. You know, Pearl Jam originally was, was on the war on, on Ticketmaster. I was going to say, Eddie
2: Vedder no. walked so Taylor Swift can run. Wait, I'm Pearl so Jam. confused.
0: It is Taylor
3: Swift taking a stand against Ticketmaster, or is yeah. it a congressperson using Taylor
2: Swift lyrics? Well, the so uh, Taylor Swift announced like a huge tour, and then there was all those like massive uh, issues with ticket sales. There was like right. price gouging and failures of the service and all that stuff. So it led to a congressional hearing, uh, but she made public statements about it. So yeah, but the, all these, you know... Centrist asshat Congress people had these like, you know, pop culture quips. Yeah, just, right.
3: Because it's a social media moment for them right. too, right? It's not really like they care whether it goes through or not. Yeah, <laughs>
2: we salute you, Tay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs>
1: mm, I'll do a half salute. So <laughs> I
2: like that. So, the, but there's like you know, for the last several months or even since the pandemic or maybe it's tied into the pandemic in some way but all these like economic issues that I feel like we come across in sort of like the the echo chamber of like music social media and stuff and and I just um, I don't know I'm like I'm I have been searching to try and figure out like what's going on like how to put all of these different disparate pieces into like a narrative or some kind of thread in my mind that like makes sense because like we're seeing all of these issues but You know, the way I sort of come across them in, like, music media and culture media and online is, like, it's all very kind of, like, about arts and entertainment industry and music industry specifically. And I feel like there hasn't been a lot of, like, stuff that I've seen. There's been, like, some attempts to try and, like, weave it all together into sort of a grander narrative. But I was just, you know, wondering what you all actually thought about that. You know, you're both... Economic collapse, maybe? (laughs) Is that, like, it (laughs) at the bottom? Like,
1: every industry
3: is, like, failing and, like everything yeah, is it more doesn't
1: expensive feel like it's just it's like just a music thing i feel like we like artists suffer more because their skill is seemed or it's their skill is seen as something that's not like nece- necessary like it's going to be the first thing always the first thing to go down because i don't know people are going to need a plumber to fix their toilet people are going to need yeah you know like mechanics to fix their cars like it totally. doesn't seem like a necessity until it's gone and then people are like why are we sad yeah until you're oh, in a cultural cause like, vacuum because yeah. we can't afford to have fun or like see any art because like tickets are 700 because all the artists we liked can't afford to make their art anymore because of all the shit happening right you know, it's always the first thing to go and always the first thing missed when when it's too late you know
2: yeah, that was a that was that. I mean, that was definitely where my mind went. It was like attaching it to this bigger picture of yeah, you know, e- economic and social destabilization on a wide scale. That's happening all around. You know, whatever late stage, you know, capitalism sort of imploding in on itself. Um, which is why I uh, a recent article in the Guardian like really caught my attention. because I was trying to make sense of all this stuff that was happening in sort of a a, a larger context. And um, I feel like this was an article that really spoke to me about like trying to maybe take a step back and look at all those issues in the music industry as sort of part of a larger dynamic. The article is called A Huge Decline of Working Class People in the Arts Reflects Fall in Wider Society. It was written by James Tapper. It's a December 10th, 2022 article in The Guardian. I'll just read an excerpt from the article. Uh, It says, quote, The proportion of working-class actors, musicians, and writers has shrunk by half since the 1970s. New research shows analysis of Office for National Statistics data found that 16.4% of creative workers born between 1953 and 1962 had a working-class background, but that had fallen to just 7.9% for those born four decades later. This this reflected a similar decline in the number of people with working-class origins, according to the paper in the Journal of Sociology by researchers from the University of, of Edinburgh Manchester and Sheffield people whose parents had a working class job accounted for about 37% of the workforce in 1981 but by 2011 that had fallen to about 21% the finding raises questions about why years of attempts to make the arts more open and diverse have not had more impact people who grew up in professional families were four times more likely than those with working class parents to be in creative work the study found and with fewer film directors authors or songwriters to describe the experience of growing up in a working class household some creatives fear their stories are being squeezed out of culture or confined, confined to, quote, poverty porn. These class imbalances have been with us for a long time, said Dave O'Brien, a professor of cultural and creative industries at the University of Sheffield and one of the paper's authors. Uh, it suggests that we need to do something more than just create access courses. It suggests that this is a big social problem, not just something that the BBC or the Arts Council uh, or these kinds of organizations, organizations should be addressing. And then it goes on to say, but the decline in numbers has other effects people should be concerned about, O'Brien said, quote, we know there's clearly a relationship between who makes decisions, particularly in commissioning, and the kinds of stories that get made, he said. TV commissioners and publishers come from a, quote, reasonably kind of cohesive, quite narrow, elite social background, and they have a narrower view about what is interesting. He cited the BBC's lack of appeal among people who are younger and from less privileged Privileged backgrounds, so I think there's sort of like some obvious issues that uh, that that jump out um, from that. The uh, I think a like empirically the industry is full of rich kids you know the the and there's interesting questions to ask um sort of why which is i think uh you know the discussion that we're we're interested in having but you know it's it's really really difficult for working class people and more difficult for working class people to find their way into um uh uh, the business i think sort of another thing that jumps out is that like they allude to sort of what is the influence of class homogeneity on The art that's being produced on the stories that are being told especially at a time where there is this sort of overt push for these companies to be like more diverse and inclusive but it's like what about the story of class you know and and how what about the classes intersection with these other sort of identities um i think
1: diversity and inclusivity in the arts is a joke because all of or when you're talking about like bigger companies because they're only doing it so they can say they're doing it, you know. Like right. if it was really like organic, it would just be something that happened, you know. Like right, it's usually because an outside source is like, oh, maybe, maybe you don't have enough black people here or any like people of color in this, and then they're like, oh, wow, we didn't notice, and it's just like, yeah, right. you did. And you can always tell, and it makes you think, like, if
3: the ends justify the means, if you know that the intention wasn't actually, like, genuine in the first place.
1: Yeah. Which I think is a lot of the reason people get mad at, like, rich or people that have money and that are making certain types of art, because it's like, what, I feel like art. a lot of art, you have to think about the intention of the people, and... If you're just kind of like feeding off of um, kind of an industry and uh, things that come from – are like birth from like lower working class folks. And you're kind of taking it as your own without giving homage or like steering whatever resources and uh, privilege you have in order to help the people who – ultimately your art is influenced from. If you're like not doing those things, I feel like that's a huge problem. I don't really have a problem with I don't have a problem with <coughs> rich people making art. Like I think everyone should make art. Yeah. Because it's a way to express yourself and your unique experiences. Like rich people experience things that poor people never do, especially if you're like grow up into it. I don't have a lot of like I'm not like, oh you have money. Oh, right. you know, not so a lot sad. of sympathy but for it. But I do <clears throat> I do know people that grew up in money that have had like fucked up lives, so it's like yeah. you can't really like right. disconnect the two.
3: And I don't think you have to have some trauma to make art you that don't is good, at all. <laughs> which is like a big myth that I feel like should be myth busted by the Mythbusters. Don't at all. I think, yeah. but sorry, sorry, keep going. You're in, I
1: was you're gonna say I think everyone just needs to be aware of the different privileges that they hold, um, just as as people like men need to have like know that the privilege they hold above women is like straight people need to ho- know the privilege they hold above queer people like in these art spaces like you just need to understand that like it's very much difficult for different people to get to a certain point and to have people just like do it so get to do it so easily right um yeah, I can see I can see why a lot of people don't like that. And I think more people would be you know, more acceptive of like <laughs> rich people doing that if they used any of their platform to help other people. Yeah. You know?
3: For sure. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry. I think also like similar to what you're saying about uh Glenn what you were saying about like the struggle of being an artist right now and how it's, you know, not a sustainable way to live, Um, being tied to, like, a larger problem economically and societally. Like, similarly, I feel like the solution to, like, arts being uh, more of an easily accessible lifestyle to, like, whatever, Nepo babies or rich kids or whatever is not, like, something that those people people can solve. Like, I don't really feel like it's on Taylor Swift to fund my album, (laughs) because I'm poor. But if she wants to. But if she wants to. No, but I mean like, I think like, it's probably more so the case that like, the U.S. doesn't really have infrastructure for artists to attain funding like other countries do, like from grant work or like, you know, whatever organizations that raise money for artists to be able to do that or even just like down to you know um, health
2: care you yeah. know like artists need health care they need affordable housing right they need access yeah. to capital they need all these things right it's people, impossible
3: to spend all your time making your music when you have to work full-time so that you can get yeah. health care yeah. you know whatever so I mean,
2: that that's absolutely true I think what's so interesting though is about is that that conversation doesn't happen in the art space like in this very american way you know where our whole sort of ideological you know the whole like a lot of the yeah ideological sort of zeitgeist that dominates american media and business culture is you know it has assumptions of capitalism and individualism and stuff which is why i think you see artists and labels and all these people telling these like rich stories about diversity and identity but class is never part of that conversation you know I feel like that is not something that is ever like those stories don't get told and I think that makes it um I don't know it makes it I think it does put a I I think it changes the dynamic because while you know on the one hand it's not up To maybe, you know, those people at an individual level, privileged people at an individual level to solve that problem. I think, like, something like that this this data is showing is, like, you know, nearly, let's say, 90% of people who are operating as artists and in the arts business are, like, coming from wealthy backgrounds. And then to operate with this sort of, like, uh, assumption that... um, that the class issue isn't there. You know, that everyone's right. kind of on this equal footing actually I think just like reifies and perpetuates this like really really difficult um uh architecture and scenario. And also like, you know, <laughs> man, there's some rich artists out there. It's like what you start a fucking record label, yeah. you know? It's like it's you true. Got hell of I I'm,
3: I'm not saying they shouldn't <laughs> do good things. Like I like Namji's point about like being self-aware enough to use your privileges in any space that you're in
1: yeah, to definitely. do something Sorry, can better. I just real quick. I'm not talking, I just, I think I mean just even vocalizing it, like not even acting on it, but just like, like you are saying, like the class issue is there and just like saying that it's there. Like if Taylor Swift just like mentioned, you know, that, it that was these easier. issues exist. Yeah. Like, Obviously, people are going to listen to her, like with this whole Ticketmaster. If it was anyone else, you know, like people aren't going to listen as much. But just like the power to like be able to just say a thing and have other people who might be more uh, involved in the issues and like smarter or have like access to like different things that you may not have as a rich rich person. Like you might just <clears throat> the thing that you might be the most valuable. Is your voice in those situations yeah, to like just you're... say something and then people are like thank you for saying that like look at this person like addressing this issue and then have other people that can actually like come up with ideas come with, up with yeah ideas. If, if
2: if class became acknowledged in the same way that people are doing good work i think to acknowledge their other privileges based on race and, and gender and all of that sort of stuff then yeah that's at least like a first step i just yeah. i It's funny. It it, it, it's so much more difficult than the music problem, though, because that's kind of built into the fabric of this, you know, socioeconomic architectures. Because essentially, what you're talking about at that point is you're like, "Oh, we need like transformative political change in the direction of social." Yeah, that's 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 literally what what I'm saying. The numbers, (laughs) the numbers make sense. Like talking
1: about the decline of working class in the arts, it makes sense because when you're, I say this all the time, but when you're focused on surviving, like you don't have time to like make art like if art is the only thing you do for survival you're going to like put all into it but if it's not providing the things you need you're going to search elsewhere for the things you need to survive which rich people don't have that problem and they can just be like my survival is taken care of i'm going to focus on this art because it's something that i want to do totally you know? yeah and that's another issue of privilege like right and it's not it has nothing to do with working hard making it an art doesn't have anything to do with working hard it doesn't have anything to do with like being good (laughs) right like there's so many factors luck timing people you know like there's so much shit that goes into being able to make art as a sustainable thing
2: yeah the uh, The electronic music publication Resonant Advisor uh, just published an article on January tenth that, that that cited this uh, study we were just reading about in the Guardian article. Um, uh, authored by uh, Michael Lawson and the title of the piece is is electronic music becoming inaccessible to the working class and uh, Bristol DJ and producer Kristen Jabs aka Pessimist said something I think similar Namdi to what you were just hitting on he said quote if you're a young artist who happens to be from a less privileged background then you're probably not going to have the time to focus solely on your music because you'll be working full time he told Resident Advisor meanwhile there's a lot of mediocre talent about at the moment (laughs) that has been say their, their names by, <laughs> by, uh, by financial backing family support and the fact that these people have uh, the time on their hands to fully commit themselves which I thought that you know that that notion that like uh, so does that dynamic of like you know people from p- privileged class backgrounds uh, is there a connection between that and like mediocre music or the homogenization of pop music you know because I mean just like as a as a as a fucking hater, I'm like, oh, absolutely, you know what I thought it was funny that he articulated I, that as well,
3: I think like the the truth at the bottom of it is like yes, just because like music is so um like tied to struggle a lot of times, like at least like music that is i don't know impactful kind of always comes from a place of struggle, I feel like so like inherently kind of yes, if there's no struggle in a person's life, then it's like tough for them to do that but like i feel like it's so dangerous to commit to that thought because yeah Yeah. because of like to circle back to the like trauma currency in the arts thing it's like it shouldn't be a currency because then that just like incentivizes rich people to not talk about being rich also because then they're they have a currency that they have to like withhold on the mystery of what they're situation is if they don't feel like they have a strong enough like plight
1: to yeah. reach people oh i was just talking about that Ooh, <laughs> when people like just having to have some sort of struggle to make good art like people have this ideology that you need to be like a struggling or, like deeply hurt <laughs> or right person that, to like make story. good art and that's so fucked up and detrimental to just all human psyche to think that way it's just like because people will like take on traumas that don't exist or like you're saying like ignore their actual situation they're in in order to like give some sort of mystery or completely hide like what's actually happening right so weird because then
3: that that makes people feel (laughs) weird and like confused like if you're an artist and i i think like a big part of it is just kind of like what we're doing now just like cracking open the conversation because like if you're an up and coming artist and you don't know at all how these people are doing it you're like how is this artist who's like you know around the same whatever it is people whatever skill level or place in their career like not working a job or something and I'm working Mm -hmm. full time and like I can't afford to like do the go on tour the way they are whatever because there's just like a mystery around it but like I don't know like it sucks that it's almost taboo for that person who has access to something to speak about it because they're scared that like it might come off a way like they have these privileges and like to have the privilege is bad where it should be like to hide
1: the privilege is bad you know it's bad it's so so strange because uh even like not people that are rich even like someone that maybe got a grant for something right like Probably feel weird about sharing that yeah. joy, even <laughs> which like should not be the case. It should like, be a joyous thing for anyone to like be able to support their art. <laughs> totally, if they genuinely love to make their art. Right. What was the magazine that? Uh, resonant Advisor. Resident Advisor. I love that he came on
3: and said there was some shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they yeah. so bold.
1: Do you guys think <laughs> this is dumb? Do you guys think that rich people? Would are more likely to get into electronic music because they don't have to, like, listen to poor people complaining in their songs. Like, they <laughs> don't just, like lyrics? Cause yeah, because the they're just like, cool. ooh, bleep bloops. <laughs> they're just like, I don't have to hear, oh, I'm so poor, that I don't have money.
3: take <laughs> <laughs> as, like, a music that, like, came from, like like working class people yeah. that is a hot take but I love the idea that rich
1: people can't even bear the can't sound
3: can't even hear of, anyone
1: being sad about yeah, money they're issues they like Ugh, gross oh god uh, your, your dad did what oh you, oh my gosh yeah. no yeah that's funny give me I my think,
2: bleep loops. I think that is like a, <laughs> I mean yeah that's a there's, there's <laughs> an interesting um, electronic music specifically would be an interesting area of study to look at sort of like the gentrification of music you know how like you know, dubstep, which was an outgrowth of British drum and bass music, which really did come from, you know, working class people, uh, is now, you know, has now fully <laughs> turned into bro step. And it's all like these white DJs it's and insane. stuff like that. That, trajectory. That's, that same Resident Advisor <laughs> article, uh, the author said, quote, Many feel that electronic music, despite its roots in queer, black, and Latino inner city communities, has also shifted towards middle class uh, homogeneity. And there was. Um,
0: Speak on it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely don't think that. Like, yeah, all the art that rich people make is, is bad art. That's obviously, like, it's that's reductive um, and inaccurate. But I do think that the way that those notions are sort of embraced to be weaponized rhetorically online in the same way that, like, Nepo Babies and Industry Plants is, is, I think— um, demonstrative of like the frustration that working class artists feel at this time when it's getting worse i mean there's always been nepo babies right like you right. Know, the, the in renaissance the, the, the renaissance, too, the renaissance like, artists who were painting yeah. you know huge whatever making sculptures were always like you know being paid by the you know rich aristocrats in the town and stuff like that but i feel like that that the fact that the rhetoric is 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 coming to the surface is just because that's the only tools there are to fight back when nobody else is talking about it you start slinging shit you know what I mean and I start to say those aggressive things right. like mm-hmm. like all these rich kids in the music industry and everything they make is mid you right
3: know? okay I see what you're saying so even if it's reductive to blame it on the rich kid it's good to have the conversation started even if it's in a comes from a kind of toxic
2: place <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 i don't know if i agree <laughs> with no that. not because, but i don't think that it's starting the conversation i think that it's a method that people are employing to push back at this sort of insidious insidious absence of the conversation mm, yeah. that is happening yeah you know and I think so so I actually I actually think it's defensive in that way I mean I I've run up against this like a bunch in sort of my experience in the music industry that you know if you you know if you can't get out to LA for three weeks on your Mm. own dime to just produce music that might never be released and pay all of your expenses or (laughs) if you don't have have a van to tour or if you can't (laughs) afford this or that, a lot of times it's perceived by these like industry partners that you have as like, oh, well, you're not running your your business well enough or like this is failing or like you should be. There's an expectation that you have the capital investment that you need on the front end to build an audience totally and it's super unrealistic So that's so a, fucked up I think that yeah. weaponized sort of rhetoric is actually pushing back against those unspoken assumptions which are harmful
3: yeah I feel that and I'm really only like playing devil's advocate because I feel like there there is that deeper connection to like a just like basic societal like uh, failing for the working class in general in every field but I agree with you like it's it's so fucked up particularly in the music industry how like every institution with the resources to help struggling artists expects them to show up with everything built already mm-hmm. like when a label scouts an artist they're like do you already have a fan base and uh, then what do, are you already like popping on TikTok I and, used like, to
1: scour just so many labels and like blogs and sites and they would all have the same thing and when you like go to their submissions page all of them would say if you're really popping off or if your music's good we'll find you and I'm just like that doesn't make any sense yeah. to me it's just like help right the whole point of the blog is to find new music and yeah. show people music but they're just
3: find I mean what, not every blog I'm being
1: yeah whatever, but a lot but. we're like we'll find the stuff yeah. that people close to us send us or from things we're already interested in right like, there's and that
3: pops into another energy. like hot topic of just like gatekeeping also in the music industry is like it's definitely uh you know another like buzzy term that like probably is misused in some places but it's worth saying just because there is so much going on that's like impossible for a young artist to just figure out how to do these things on yeah own.
1: everyone drop your bank account like, how much did you make last year? Just, like, <laughs> we share,
3: know. you know, we talk about this all the time. Just share, like, what the, if you get hit up by a label or a publishing thing or something and, like, you got to be able to talk about it with your peers so you know you're not getting fucked over, like. Yeah. But that conversation even is, like, kind of taboo should just be,
1: like. Yeah, you yeah. should be able to talk with people just, yeah, for that reference. You should be able to talk about money more freely, um. Yeah. yeah, I, I guess that's
3: know. my worry is that like if you, if we, if we kind of sling shit at the rich kids, then they won't like f- they'll be more secretive.
0: You yeah, know? yeah. Right, because there's a amount of shame. Right, exactly. Almost like if you go to like a punk show, like the the kid who's wearing like the most beat up clothes is actually like probably the yeah, the, the most well funded. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, they're the one with the dress funds. See, right. again, again, these these
2: were always just like. Fun assumptions that we held, you know, because yeah. we are sort of pushing back on these like perceptions that we have about how this industry really is built by and for privileged People and increasingly uh, begins to do so, but that's why the that Guardian article caught my eye because I'm like, okay, here's empirical information to substantiate like my hating on rich kids <laughs> in the mu- in the music industry. But what yeah. what's so I actually I read uh, I went through and read the study. It's called Social Mobility and Openness and Creative Occupation since the 1970s. And what's interesting is the 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 study highlights what's termed as relative mobility in the arts and entertainment, and they say that is more or less the same, meaning it has always been a space where where people from wealthy backgrounds are overwhelmingly disproportionately represented. That hasn't changed since the 1970s, and that's mm. borne out in the decades of data that they analyzed. But the, the class composition is changing, having from 16.4% working class people to 7.9%. Essentially, the study goes on to say, because it's harder to make it, because it, it it's harder and more costly to participate in the changing socioeconomic. Uh, conditions of the society over the last couple of decades, meaning, um, well, here from the conclusion of the study, they say disquiet about the profile of working class origin creatives is well founded in the context of structural inequalities in the creative economy. Low p- low pay and precarious work, even when mixed with autonomy, job satisfaction, and the potential for prospective financial reward, are obvious barriers to access for those without economic support. The particular types of cultural capital needed to make it into the creative industries are also additional obstacles for those who do not hail from professional and management backgrounds. So basically. They're saying it's the, the barrier to entry is higher. You know, yeah. it's always been a place exclusively reserved mostly for privileged people, mm-hmm. but it's even fucking harder now to get right. in there. You know, yeah. prices are rising. I think, yeah, as everything
3: gets more expensive. Sorry to cut you off. No. Um, yeah, right. Like, it is just like a larger economic problem, right? Like, the reason the record label only wants to sign people who are viral on TikTok is because the record label's not making any money either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, we need to sign something that's a sure quick viral paycheck and then we're not even going to work on like creating a long career for this artist which you know happens a lot sadly with a lot of these
0: yeah, yeah viral I, stars I really wonder um, with those stats um, you know just how the, how they're getting that data whether that represents people who are actually making a full time career or making a living off of music versus people who are just participating at the ground level because like would, would someone like me who has a 9 to 5 job be Part of that statistic because I still spend just as much time making art and music, uh, yeah. but I don't know if I would be counted in that that percentage, you know. And I feel like there's a lot of like folk art um, and things that are that are still more accessible. Like you know, people that are making music who who maybe just treat it as a hobby. Maybe there's more participation. Um, You know, over the pandemic, I think there was uh, a stat that, like, you know, guitar sales, like, skyrocketed. So, obviously, there's, like, people who are participating (laughs) and maybe they're part of what was referred to as, like, the the huge amount of average. People that are
2: trying
1: to make it, like, a career. That's That's my understanding.
2: I think it came from, like, census-type data where people are identifying themselves. I do
1: think more people are making art, making
2: music. It's a good thought,
3: though. Like, uh, it's interesting, like, maybe, I don't know, like, if the… Well, no, no, it's getting half baked. I'm thinking about like being like a bard in like Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if the music like economy collapses, then like we're all just maybe performing for, you know, quests.
2: I think the notion about privilege ac privileged access though is especially True, even in terms of common sense experience, when you're talking about okay, let's look at the people who can and do make a career out of this. You know, the people who are touring musicians, or the people who are A and R's at record labels and stuff like that. You know, I I I think then that is that's when that stuff becomes even sort of seemingly more obvious.
0: Yeah, and that that obstacle that you were talking about earlier uh, with you know, labels or promoters or whoever who want to know that you already have the infrastructure entirely built in, which we know would cost tens of thousands of dollars to have a van and already, you know, have all of these resources. And there's there's kind of this glass ceiling of like, to get to the next level, you already have to have some type of, you know, patronage or financial backing. Right. Just to give you the opportunity, because we know that like anybody, whether you're uh, an artist who is financially struggling or has another source of income or whatever like all you the only requirement you know we were talking earlier about um the idea of having like uh, trauma or something or some type of like plight to like fuel your artistic energy and you have to have like some type of emotional spark but i think the key is for someone to be like sensitive as an artist and be able to be kind of like a transducer who can take this like universal feeling whether it's plight or joy or whatever mm-hmm. and turn that into some type of art that that people can connect with and anybody can have that but you may have that skill and just not be able to cross over these financial barriers and
2: everybody has to i mean artists have to build an audience that is the name of the game right but that's also what you're trying to do actively with every like industry partner that an artist would partner up with it's like how do we continue building the audience and so you know earlier we were touching on the notion maybe of like well, is this something that the industry itself can fix? Obviously not by itself, right? It's this much larger socioeconomic problem. But I do think there are things that the industry could do. And one would be if they acknowledged – you know, people, artists they're working with who do come from a working class background, your budget might look different for that artist than it does for some artist who's already got a van and who has, you know, a trust fund and all that sort of stuff. Like, and you don't see that. All these deals look the same. All the money and budget are allocated differently. But maybe, you know, okay, this artist like might need help. You know, it makes more sense to give this type of artist like tour support or more tour support. You know, and 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 looking at that as a developmental expense that goes towards allowing this artist to continue building their Audience and that stuff, but by the industry's like failure basically to even acknowledge the issue of class, which on a logistical note, it's like, how do you really do that? Be like, hey, can you give us your parents, you know, like last four <laughs> right. like, generations parents. back? Yeah. <laughs> but, but they that could make a difference, though. Yeah. it's like, you know, we're going to open up tour support for artists who truly need it, you know, totally. I, th- yeah, I think
3: having that in mind as the people that you know, like make those decisions, like if uh if super wasn't also broke i would love for us to be doing shit like that just like helping even just like you know for it to be almost grant like in that yeah. way like I, I talk about this with kayna all the time she's always saying that that would be amazing to be helping young artists in the city with just like a small advance because that would be so life changing at that level you know but you're but it's still it's the same problem it's like labels can't make money back on their records so they only want to give money to something that can definitely
2: return it quickly. Yeah. I mean, that, and, you know, it's definitely like much smaller labels is difficult to do. But even in our own experience, you know, there was an artist we worked with one time where we bought them a laptop and a cell phone because mm-hmm. they didn't have it and they were trying to tour and do all of these things, you know, and we yeah. called it a, I don't know, marketing expense. Don't tell the IRS, but like, uh, you know, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. I'll argue that in court. <laughs> Um,
1: yeah. I mean, we need need the funds, but also just the access to like this type of information. I feel like can be equally as beneficial. Yeah, confidentiality
2: as, provisions in in agreements yeah. keep a lot of that stuff from being shared. That's huge. I didn't even yeah. think about how it's legally yeah <laughs> <laughs> binding that you don't tell anyone yeah. what's going on. That's, but you could. But you could. If but you could do that sort of stuff anonymously and not and like get away with it you know if let's yeah. say you had 15 let's get anonymous artists who are part. like we're gonna put out all of the numbers can we get anonymous
3: had. in can we call anonymous yeah. right now how
1: much do you make
2: <laughs> so that but the uh, so one thing about that study though too is also it's british data so there wasn't like a lot of good british. stuff um uh, they, that, have that I, over there? they have healthcare over there yeah healthcare. healthcare. Oh. they don't pronounce
1: is? their t's i'm not gonna trust them eating beans eating yeah. beans and tomatoes so br- what one of the I like, like beans,
2: but I don't know if I like British beans. I'm gonna say it. One of the things the study uh, like talked about too was um, how there there was like rumblings in the British press by these like uh, previous generation, uh, like. British um, filmmakers or like actors and musicians and stuff who came from working class backgrounds and they were like you know it it used to be much easier for us you know and, and like now I don't see as many working class people in the industry and stuff so you actually had these people who are from working class backgrounds talking about that and two that they mentioned was uh, two that they mentioned was uh, Michael Caine and Gary Oldman who are both like from super working, working class, <laughs> class backgrounds yeah and they were oh. just like you know like you oh, oh, used to be able to be the the, the <laughs> son of a is this Gary Oldman or is yeah, this it Michael more- <laughs> I was to do my, I was That's to do my Michael Caine. I, yeah. I, I actually like, knew oh, it was Michael Caine. The study right. uh, cites another study which actually goes to this notion of um, the psychology of people in the industry and not talking about these issues or pretending that they don't exist or making assumptions. Um, and uh, they did an analytical uh, breakdown of a survey of all these people who worked in the arts um, and they asked them about uh, free labor because the arts and culture sector is a place that has a lot of uh, free labor whether it's like a, you know an unpaid internship or you know the years of work you have to do to build your fan base and that sort of stuff and what they found overwhelmingly was that people from Wealthy backgrounds uh, experience those periods in their early career of free labor um, as uh, they experience it and describe it much differently than people who don't have wealthy backgrounds ex- experience. <laughs> and people who 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 are working class, you know, that that is that is something that has to be endured and overcome. It's a period of so economic precarity, and it's experienced like that. Whereas wealthy people don't have that, and so then what happens is then that sort of reifies and bolsters this assumption when you're in the industry that like, yeah, that's you know, that's just what you have to do to play the game. Everyone's got to work for free. Everyone's got to do that. And if you can't do it, you can't cut it. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. You know, another um interesting thing, Namdi, earlier you were saying how like uh Taylor Swift is like um the topics that can be talked about um whether it's you know recognizing privilege or whatever. And it's like it's not part of the narrative. Whereas if you hear to like someone who is not uh, a musician or not in this, this industry, if they hear something about Ticketmaster, they think of it in the lens of like finance and business. Like if you hear it on like, you know, on the radio, they're talking about whether they're a, a monopoly just strictly from business perspective. And nobody's talking about like the actual artists. It's all about just law and business. And, and you're right. Nobody's talking about like how it affects individual artists, how that causes people to struggle. It's just very interesting that maybe if people were just more open about that, that then people would maybe reframe some of these things and maybe actually reframe legislation around it to actually be more protective of artists. This is a very optimistic Sunny Day scenario I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm proposing but here.
3: I feel like it's the only thing that would change what we're talking about like on a scale l- like that. You like know? massive dialogue, right. and a- a- and acknowledgement then eventually of this issue. it turning into... like legislature you know like right around there's, you know healthcare. there's all
2: these pressure on the music and culture companies like you were saying now um, that you know to, to sign diverse artists and stuff and that's the only reason that they're doing it but i don't if there is no dialogue or conversation about this other massive institutionalized inequality in the industry there's going to be no pressure to change it you know yeah right
3: but like all these you know the the gate kept resources are all kept by businesses and no there are no Businesses really that operate in a way that is like a, you know, just looking to help a lower class artist or, you know what I mean? Like a working class artist is like.
2: Right. But they are the goal is to develop an artist and build an audience and if for this you know if the needs for one artist to do this to do that look a little different than the needs for another artist to do that I think you know you can it's a matter of recategorizing expenses
3: right I guess I have very just very little faith in the in those in power in the music industry to do that out of like goodwill oh I don't think
2: this is any is gonna change
3: maybe (laughs) if like being working class I don't know I would argue that maybe it is on its way here but maybe working class becoming like a like a really trendy thing (laughs) but like with the caveat that like you have to prove it yeah if you like (laughs) prove right paper trail that you're working class and then labels Sign you because it's hot right now, yeah. and that's like the only thing outside
2: of like legislative <laughs> <laughs> like repair. It was funny when that study came out; it, it was reverberated in just a you know handful of publications. But then there's been other you know, I, Pitchfork did recently a big piece on like mental health and the grind in the music industry and stuff like that. So I do think these like kind of economic issues are coming to the fore, and I I I wonder if that. Vehicle will will the class vehicle be adopted as like a narrative that can be pushed, you know, in oh, terms for of, sure. yeah, it's just, da- yeah, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, just the it's same. It's happen. too,
3: it's just too dangerous. <laughs> it's the same thing that happened with, you know, every other, you know, uh, identity that became, you know, profitable, yeah, yeah, uh,
2: that's why you gotta make them have the paper trail, exactly. <laughs> well,
3: then it's also, it's just dangerous too. <laughs> like, people are already going through hoops to fake their whatever, you know, like yeah. uh, performative class. It's going to get
1: so basic, like to the point where, I don't know, they're like, <laughs> you're here on the radio, oh, it's the new hit from Jenny Jorgensen. She's worked at Panera bread for 9. Right, years. right, That's right. Two kids, she's having a real hard time. playing right. a song. I was <laughs> talking like about baking right, bread. It's like actually
3: <laughs> it's kind of like it 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 does the reverse. I mean even like what we we talk about this sometimes like the the bubble of like um of like diversity being um commodified to a point where like it started feeling um it was icky. Icky, yeah nervous. it gives yeah it's or it's like what's your struggle yeah right it's like your where
1: your immigrants did they did they eat bugs what's the right trouble? right <laughs> right
3: right exactly like what you know you i don't know whatever what did what you get did you pa- right, right what happened to you
1: stinky african foods when you were little oh they didn't well it, it might look a little bit better if you just say yeah, just that talk, right. just bugs. talk about that struggle of
3: so like of as being brown. people that put out <laughs> albums and then like immediately went on the, like, uh, the, like, I don't know what you call it. Struggle porn tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of, like, public you know, interviews and stuff like that where it's, like, that's the topic. It's, like, it didn't really solve the problem. So I don't know that I believe, mm. like, working class artists being, like, a commodity in the music industry will... Fix anything. There were 7,000 tours
2: in 2021 called the My Trauma Tour. Right,
3: literally. And, you know, every interview was look at this fucked up thing that happened to this person because of where their parents are from. Not like. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: I can't wait for the next George Santos album. You got to make
1: working class sexy again. You know the problem? People don't want to work. You just got to get off your ass and work. I don't know what... I don't know Is
3: that Kim Kardashian? Kim
1: Kardashian, yeah. Those aren't my thoughts.
3: I don't know. I haven't thought this through all the way, but I'm thinking about... I watched like the first 10 minutes of Bruce Springsteen's one-man show on HBO, and the first thing he says is like, by the way, I've never worked a job in my life. I've just been really good at writing songs about it forever. <laughs> That's pretty really amazingly said that? transparent. And I, I t- you know, to be fair, I turned it off. He
1: yeah. <laughs> he's never I never worked a job. That's what he said. like,
3: like Joe he Biden. He might have meant like
1: a, you know, like a yeah, he was
3: maybe he could like be He the next president. He's
1: like I haven't Bruce Springsteen for
3: yeah. president. Wait, Wait exactly. Bruce
2: Springsteen? Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I thought you said Bruce Willis cuz doesn't he play in a band too?
1: Bruce
3: Willis doesn't have a Bruce Bruce
2: band. Bruce, Bruce band. Willis has a band. Yeah, he
1: plays harmonica, I'm pretty sure. I, I could guess that.
3: <laughs> you know,
2: Springsteen said like, that Springsteen yeah, right. said, his yeah. whole thing is the, he right. his whole thing is working class.
3: Right. I don't he's not like a Nepo baby, but he just he got really lucky. I'm you know, and he's really talented. Yeah, it's never, not, not like it one shouldn't job. have.
1: I have a hard time believing he hasn't had
3: one. That he wasn't job. not even a, like a
2: paper boy? Wasn't yeah. like a card carrying union he's, member and like have a, said,
3: honestly, I'm maybe misquoting. <laughs> he might have said, I've never been working class or something like that. Though I believe that's probably what his like parents background is but mm. no I'm pretty sure he said I never worked a job cause God, it was, I thought it was so funny he was like <laughs> I'm just really good at writing these songs about it
1: get like me bro if you were good <laughs> get, get your paper up <laughs> yeah you just Bruce gotta just being like I, kinda like Rick Rubin vibes I never, I don't know how to do a damn thing. It's just me, old Rick. I don't know how to twist these knobby knobs. I've never heard of a go tar. It just vibes so hard. So <laughs> people hire me for the vibes. Yeah, I'm trying to get that job. Oh, yeah, the privilege. <laughs> the privilege. It's so
2: apparent and so palpable yeah yeah i don't have a lot of faith that it'll change i think the point is just to actually like acknowledge and i don't know talk about those things
1: things have to get so in all of these and like every business every institution that's been going forever things have to get to a point that's so fucked up and scary for the people in charge in order for them to want to change for sure and i hate (laughs) i hate that it's is that way but it just is like they have to be scared they're going to lose it all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for it to change. And that can only happen if like communally people band together to try to make something better. But artists, artists and like just the whole just the whole uh, industry is so individualistic, like everyone's so focused on their own thing, which is not necessarily like blaming artists and musicians because like you have to be focused on your own thing in order to make it to a point where you're making money and like doing your thing you have to like be focused but like everything is so like individualistically centered that i feel like that's damn near impossible for people to bond together to like start something but it's not impossible. It's not. It's not an impossible thing. Like yeah, it just I, takes the, the right same, people.
3: It's kind of the same thing as like if you're struggling to make ends meet, it's hard to do your art. Let alone, like, uh, you know, find the time to organize. Yeah. With
2: other artists. Yeah, but that is important that to 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 really understand that the issues of working class people in the arts are the same issues as working class people in whatever other sector of the economy. And it really is, you know, it's the age old story of grassroots coalition building along yeah. class lines, you know. But that's something that, y- you know, you, that U.S. popular cultural forces and, and government programs and stuff, you know, the attack on labor unions and the working class and stuff's been going on, you know, for decades now at this point and it's so bad that it's and then it's so bad that it's hard for people to conceive of themselves as a collective and to Mm -hmm. and to build those uh foundations amongst each other although there is you know now sort of like a you know, big resurgence of labor happening, which does give a lot of hope, uh, even in the music, uh, industry sector, um, you know, which does give sort of some, some hope for the future, but it's just like, there's so much work that needs to be done. But that was my big takeaway from like reading, uh, a, like a, about that study and actually seeing empirically like, okay, there is a huge institutional class inequality in the music industry, but you know, and then the study goes on to say, well, it's, a, it's about barriers to access. It's just like, it costs too much money, you know, to, to, to get in. So it, by its very nature is not feasible and will exclude like the overwhelming majority of people just really hit home for me that yeah you know the 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 path forward is the same it's the same way the same path forward it's always been for poor people you know coalition building to assert pressure on the people who are in control and make them fear for you know fear of you know make, make them fear losing what they have yeah
3: yeah we should all just be one band Every yeah. artist, every yeah, working artist class one. artist should be in, in the same band yeah. together. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> they, they
0: need a you want to sign someone? <laughs> yeah, I've thought about like whether um just like, uh you know, if every, if obviously this isn't going to happen, but like if all musicians just went on strike and was just like, until we're treated better, we're going to stop making music. And I wonder if the full catalog of recorded music, if there's just a general population of, you know, people who love music, if they would be, like, how long it would take before they got sick of listening to Abbey Road, you know, 400 times, the the 10th remaster and surround sound? The thing is,
1: yeah, we don't need need everyone to do it. That's the thing is, like, as a collective, it would take more middle-class people to have that effect that, like, very few rich artists Mm. could easily do. So all it would take would be a few of, like, the top, most streamed artists, the top most uh, artists that sell the most tickets to be like, okay, fuck Ticketmaster. We're going to do our right, own thing. Taylor Swift Ticketmaster. If like, the top the five streamed artists of all time right. did that, then the whole game would be in a fucking schlitz and people would be like, oh my God, what do we do? But it takes more, it takes infinitely more like smaller yeah, artists to do that. <laughs> They don't care if we threaten. They don't care because it's not like fucking up their bag. But we do, as artists have a voice and have influence because all those artists, bigger artists, all these other people are always scouring and looking at smaller artists for information, for like style, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, shit to bite off of
1: like what's cool. So like we're not completely powerless. Like it's not, it feels like screaming into a void sometimes, but it's like people see that it's happening and are choosing to ignore it until someone chooses to not ignore it. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's my like. Maybe <laughs> I've been like brainwashed
3: to uh, think that we all we need to work together with the rich kids. But that's the, that's, <laughs> the, that's the that they're not the, going to work together. They're not going to work the with. Scab- they right. be the scabs <laughs> no. crossing the line. If no, you call honestly, for a- <laughs> yeah. Honestly, when I'm thinking about it by myself, I'm like, yeah. F- like I'm always hating, but like when I try to think about it on a societal level, I'm like, it has to be like a solution that targets like, you know, just how capitalism works over all fields and not like whatever I we've said Taylor Swift way too many times It would being like Taylor Swift has to solve this problem but you're right that like it, I guess it's the same as any privilege it's like people it is like commonly accepted now that you should acknowledge your privilege and do what you can with it to help those that are without it so like why don't we expect that of the artists who have you know the leverage to make those changes with companies like Spotify or whatever, you
1: know? (laughs) I often compare, or in my mind, I think about rich people in the arts just like making whatever bullshit they want to make to people taking vacations to like poor countries, like Mm -hmm. places like Haiti and like places in the Caribbean where it's like so, there's so much struggle and just being like, it's so nice here because there's palm trees and then people are like, help! Yeah. <laughs> like, and that are right there and they're just like, "Ah, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get We're a selfie with <laughs> all of these hey.
2: malnourished children.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Then you get to get back on your plane, go to your big ass comfy bed. And yeah. it's, watch, the same. it's whatever people watch. I wonder, yeah, if there's any artist who
3: is successful enough to take those risks like it's crazy that there's not someone who is like so successful that they're like uh fuck spotify you know mm-hmm. people only do that when it's like politically motivated elsewhere you know like whatever johnny Where's mitchell Paul
2: mccartney didn't right. david crosby do that <laughs> but he wasn't powerful like, enough yeah I right like was, one of the, was it about really... spotify or was it
3: because of Joe
2: Rogan or whatever it was? That's <laughs> right. Oh yeah, literally yeah, they all
0: right.
3: took their music off for some shit that is like not I don't even, even, even ra- not even right right the real reason. problem, yeah. right? So I mean, because I, they didn't make to, as
2: much as Joe Rogan.
3: No, because Joe Rogan <laughs> spread misinformation or something. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, they were upset about Spotify platforming him. Mm. Sure,
3: but like the, it's a giant conglomerate that is like sucking the life out of artists everywhere in the world. Yeah. But they're
1: like, that's cool. You can keep my music. (laughs) You know what we gotta do, and I feel like this might be a topic for another episode. (laughs) Um, But we gotta use the deep fakes to pretend to be like someone way bigger, talking about how the industry's fucked up. But like in like such a like in a setting where it's not like a like a public platform like they're right. just talking with their friends like man the industry and then right. people will see that image of like oh this person behind closed doors is talking about this it's, it's fucked oh. up on so many levels to do this but right. no but I like it it's
3: a, <laughs> yeah. if we deep fake as like BTS and yeah. we're like we're taking our music off Spotify yeah. <laughs> it, well,
2: well, like wealthy influential powerful mu- musicians and artists they could be allies in, in, in like right. these issues but like no one should depend on them to do that because they're not going to right I mean that's yeah. this study is saying you know since the sixties or whatever right. it's been like, you know, it's been a the whole arts industry has been a playground for wealthy people. And it's the it's the same reason that, you know, corporations aren't just gonna do the right thing and, you know, right. uh, increase expenses to have a greater social safety net or a more socially just society. It's like it has right. to come from people will only fuck their bag up like a two percent. Right. <laughs> I got a two percent bag fuck be up better. policy. Right. That'll I can money. help you hmm. up to two percent. <laughs> All right. Well, should we call it there? You've been listening to the Industry Bullshit podcast. If you're having a good time, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com industry Bullshit, where you can enjoy access to our premium episodes. Subscribing helps us stay independent and advertising-free, and you can otherwise find us online at www.industrybullshit.com. Bullshit oh
1: Bullshit
0: Bullshit